Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bring the Vegas gaming experience to the palm of your hand. Bet your favorite team, try your luck in a casino, or our poker room. The earliest sports lines and the biggest limits online. Lots of deposit options. Bet on live events as they happen. The next play, the next score. Get winnings fast or roll them into a parlay and win even more. Visit Bet Online today and see what millions of customers have experienced for over 20 years. On third and three, they protect Brady. Scans the field and lets it fly. It's Evans. It's a touchdown. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty. All fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstock, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! And then the cannons go. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast live on youtube for our week two game preview the tampa bay buccaneers stay on the road head to new orleans for some division action they'll play the new orleans saints this sunday at 1 p.m on fox welcome back to the can of fire podcast i'm your host as always right matthew join alongside me my good buddy and co-host the philly bucks fan himself mr evan wanish pleasure to have you guys here evan how you doing i'm doing pretty good yeah, doing pretty good for a, a it's a Friday. Um, Happy Friday and, to you. Yeah, yeah, and we get to watch more NFL football, and I mean obviously college, but it's hard to believe that the NFL season is just like here, like it's in like full toe, you know, like it's it's uh it's kind of surreal to a lot of people who have waited a long time for these Sundays to just continue, right? Like it's it's every week now for for a long time, so it's exciting. Well, we waited. 200 some odd days for the NFL season to come back, and we're already in week two. Thursday night football is behind us. The Chargers and the Chiefs, by the way. It wasn't like the most fun game, but I will say I have to kind of tip my hat to uh, the Amazon Prime broadcast because they they killed it, man. They knocked it out of the park. They had an alternate feed, which was like the Prime yeah, Vision feed and had it. that cool all 22 camera all 22 version. Yeah, it was the all 22 version. And it was uh, like active schemes would show up during the play. So yeah. if there were two receivers out left and both of them went for a block, you would see that kind of routed out. And with the all 22 view, honestly, if you haven't watched much foot, uh, much football or you'd like to learn a little bit more about the X's and O's, it seemed a hell of a lot more user-friendly than something like just the raw all 22. But like really, really good if you've got some people you know who want to get into football. I wanted to crap all over it, but the Amazon broadcast was really good. Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet, a little bit of a weird duo at first, but once they worked out the kinks, I thought they sounded good up there. Amazon did a good job. Yeah, that that all twenty two was fun. Uh, I'm not sure. I think well, really, if only if you stayed for the end of the game, you would have saw the the angle that they showed that throw by Herbert uh, over the middle of the field was sick. Like they were showing different angles in the broadcast. Yeah, it's really fun. So that uh, <laughs> they opened with Mahomes versus Herbert, and now next week, yeah, another clash of the titans with Trubisky versus Brissett. So uh, you know, it just. Even even if you're not a fan of those, tune in for a few minutes to turn on the the prime vision. It's not going to be the broadcast. You have to sort of click down, and then you have to. It's a little bit of a find, uh, but it, it's worth it. So yeah, definitely go ahead and do that. 
So let's go ahead and talk about this week's game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which of course is the reason we are here. We'll take a deep breath before we start this one. Uh, excuse my language, but it just feels like same shit, different day, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, we, we come into this one and I don't know what else there is to say to really build up this game. You can call it a rivalry, but Todd Bowles said it himself and so did Tristan Wirfs this week. There's got to be some give and take in a rivalry. And, and since the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are uh, 0-7 in their last seven regular season contests with the New Orleans Saints, they basically come into this one and look to change the tune. Tom Brady as a Buccaneer has never beat New Orleans in the regular season. And uh, we'll dive into the injury report and, of course, break down some of the stuff on both sides of the football. But here we are. You know, it's it's week two. First of a uh, or second second game of a rough four week stretch for Tampa Bay. So they're certainly going to have their hands full this week as they also get to face off against a uh, somewhat healthy Jameis Winston for the first time since last Halloween. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, both of these teams, y- you say, you know, that how it's, you know, basically the same thing every year, right? Every week with the Saints. Uh, I think more and more people are just beginning to accept that. Uh, but at the same time, I think these teams are a little bit different. Uh, obviously, the, the Saints are don't have Chauncey Garner-Johnson anymore. They don't have Marcus Williams anymore. They're their safety duo. Um, but they replaced that with Marcus May and Tyron Matthew. So, you know, there's a big difference. Uh, the Saints obviously have Michael Thomas back. That's a big difference. They have Jarvis Landry now, Chris Olave. All three of those guys did not play for the Saints in 2021. So that, that's a difference. Um as for the Bucks, we obviously we know th- their differences, uh, but it's you know going to be hard to, to overcome them. And, and we're not going to sit here and be all you know doom and gloom the entire episode. But we're going to say it straight. You know the Saints aren't a good matchup for the Bucks. It's just it's it's not a, a good matchup scheme wise, uh, mentality wise, uh, no matter what it is. And I'll get into like me- the mentality thing a little bit later. But uh, I I don't think the Bucks have zero chance. But it, it's going to be very difficult. Not only uh, is it a difficult division game, it's a difficult division road game. So uh, let's get into it. But, I mean, it, it's going to be a challenge. I mean, as we all knew that these first four games, though, were kind of going to be a gauntlet. So uh, it's just you got to just try and get through the gauntlet. You pass the first test, and here comes the second one. It is Friday, which means the final injury report of the week is out. We got some in-game designations. Chris Godwin is out. We kind of talked about that. Knew that was going to be coming uh, with the re-aggravated hamstring against Dallas. Should be a week-to-week thing. Luckily, the tone seems to be a little bit better than the Bucks thought, but I don't think anyone's going to be mad if they if they go ahead and shelf Chris Godwin for another two weeks and they make it out of this four-game stretch. No, I, I think, you know, especially now, you want to play it as cautious as possible. And hamstrings are a little tricky. The good thing is that it doesn't seem like it's as serious as the Bucks originally thought. Like that, that's obviously a positive. But as far as hamstrings go, you just you never know. It all depends on how the body reacts to it and how it click quickly heals up, really. Uh, and and that could take a few days. That could take a few weeks. And uh, I don't think the Bucks want to put him back out there until he's a hundred percent. So. Um, like I said, the good thing is there is still no issue with his knee. Uh, the the knee is is, is fine. Uh, it, this is a strictly a hamstring injury that's going to hold him out of this game uh, and, and possibly next. But, I mean, hey, who knows? It took him until Friday to rule him out. So uh, it's possible that maybe he tries to make it for Green Bay. We'll see how the week goes. Rookie corner Zion McCollum is on the injury report as well, listed as doubtful for the game. Didn't see a bunch of them against Dallas. I, I mean, it, 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 it he was he was out. Yeah. 
didn't see any of them against us. I hate to write this guy. I, I, yeah, yeah. I hate to write this guy off. And it's certainly too soon to do that because there is still much more time in the NFL regular season. Maybe some other guys get injured. It's a next man up thing. But Zion McCollum, very rough start to his rookie year, especially for a later draft pick. Yeah, I mean, you know, the fifth round pick who they, they traded up to get and they sent, uh, I believe it was Jacksonville, a, a, their fourth round pick for the 2023 draft to get him. So they, they clearly like him and it is a rough start uh, for him. Uh, hopefully he can get back out there sooner rather than later because he's kind of like the fourth corner. But I mean, if Sean Murphy bunting, isn't going to play much defense. You wonder is I McCollum going to be maybe relegated to a special team role. Maybe that's where they have him. but yeah, it's, it's certainly not an ideal start. Um, so, I mean, I guess you could say progress because this time last week for Dallas, he was already ruled out and now he's listed as doubtful. So I guess that is somewhat progress, uh, but that, that uh, injury, I believe, is a hamstring. That's held him out for a little bit. So that's definitely not a good thing, but hopefully he can get back on the field soon. Now, here's the big one. That is left tackle Donovan Smith. Did not practice at all this week with an elbow injury. He is listed as doubtful. Let's take a minute and talk about this. My gut says that he plays, but if he doesn't play, what do you make of this Buccaneers offensive situation headed into this one? Yeah, I don't think he's going to play. Uh, a lot of the times when you see doubtful, that's a very grim, uh, you know, outcome, I guess you could say. Um, the, the good news is I don't have really many concerns with him long term, like for like the season. But for this particular game, I don't see he's gonna how he's going to play. Uh, now, I mean, if he doesn't, and assuming he doesn't, uh, it's Josh Wells and Todd Bowles said that as much it, it's Josh Wells. It's not going to be a Fred Johnson or they're not, there's not going to be any shuffling or anything going on. Uh, it'll be Josh Wells. And, you know, they really, you know, they, they really struggled in the first half when, when the switch was first made, when Smith first exited the game, Wells had to come in, but in the second half versus Dallas, I thought they adjusted well, uh, giving Wells some help against Micah Parsons. And, and I thought they really adjusted well, having Fournette and Keith and Otten sort of as those chippers. I, I thought they adjusted well. Was it perfect? No, but I thought they adjusted well to what Dallas was throwing at them. And let's see if they'll make the same adjustments uh, on Sunday. Uh, London locks in the chat to switch worfs to the blind side is my solution. Offensive linemen go entire years and in the offseason saying how the most difficult thing to do is from switching to your right to your left because everything is opposite. How is Tristan Worfs going to do that within a week? It is, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's not just a plug-and-play position pretty much anywhere on the offensive line. I'd say the most moving around you can do and still have some, sec- uh, still have some success is maybe your interior lineman. We saw Ryan Jensen jump over to guard before AQ Shipley plug in its center. Ali Marpet played a decent chunk of uh, a decent chunk of his career in Tampa Bay as a center as well. But I don't remember who said it. And it, it's always really funny to me when people talk about moving offensive linemen around. I want to say this is an AQ Shipley quote. I could be wrong. I probably am wrong. Uh, but somebody had said that as far as an offensive lineman goes, playing right tackle and then switching to left tackle or vice versa, it's like trying to wipe your butt with the opposite hand. Yeah. Like yep. it, you can do it, but it doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel right until you've been doing it for a long time and you've got some work. I know it's kind of a gross comparison there, but most offensive linemen in the NFL are gross guys. So it, it, it's just... It makes sense. You know what I mean? Um, imagine imagine trying, you know, being right handed and then trying to do everything left handed. Yeah. Like, 
you know, a lot of it, that that's what it's like. So you'd be asking, you know, your right tackle, your star right tackle to switch within a week. You know, it's just that's that's not enough time. So that's not going to be happening. It will be Josh Wells. Um, and like I said, I thought the game plan that they had in the second half versus Dallas worked. Not saying it's going to work again, but I, I think there's a blueprint there to have something that can work against these Saints pass rushers, which in the past have really given the Bucks trouble. Now, to fill out the rest of the injury report for Tampa Bay, there's a lot of guys on here, but I, I, I feel confident that most, if not all of them, are going to play. The entire wide receiver room, Mike Evans, Julio Jones, Russell Gage is on the injury report. The Bucks have seven receivers on their roster, and five of them were on the injury report this week. Yeah, all of those guys are listed as questionable. Rashad Perryman also in that group. Uh, they're all going to play. I, I mean, realistically, when you have Godwin go down and you have these veterans who are going to be getting time off during the season, you've got receivers that are over 30 years old playing in your seven, eight, nine, ten, even beyond that, you know, a 12-year veteran every now and again, it's okay to give those guys some time off. And with Godwin going down, I don't think this is going to be an offensive explosion for Tampa Bay this week, but you want to have those guys as fresh as possible if that's what it comes down to. So it, it kind of makes sense that since an increased workload may be coming, you know, keep it light on those guys this week and uh, just give them some time off. And And really, I think that's what, a lot of this stuff boils down to, at least in the wide receiver room. Leonard Fournette also listed as questionable, but he'll probably play as well. So the thing about the whole questionable tag and everybody you know, gets up in arms about it, the NFL eliminated the probable tag, I believe, two or three years ago. There, because there used to be, you know, out, doubtful, questionable, probable, and then, you know, in. And the NFL eliminated the probable tag. So now, even if you're like, yeah, yeah he'll, he'll play, that you have to be listed as questionable. So a lot of people see questionable and they're like, oh my God, if there was probable, some of those guys would probably say probable. Uh, the Friday practice is always a pretty big indicator on whether a guy's going to play or not. If you're not practicing Wednesday, Thursday, okay. But if you don't practice on Friday, a lot of the times that means you're not going to play. Mike Evans, he practiced on Wednesday. He did not practice on Thursday. He's back at practice on Friday. Julio Jones, didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. Now, if he wouldn't have practiced today, he probably might have been ruled out, but he was able to practice. So I think, you know, he'll give it a go. And I see a lot of people, I see it in the chat, and I, but I also see it like on social media. And I ask this question, get asked this question a lot. Um, you know, oh, the injuries and stuff like that. Look, this is football. You know, uh, the Saints injury list is just as long, it has just as many high profile players. Uh, it's going to happen. Nobody, you're not like the Jaguars where you have a clean bill of health, I guess, because their injury report, uh, they literally have no injuries to report. So, um, you know, th this is, this is football. Everybody's banged up. Guys are, guys are constantly playing through pain. It's, it's not something that's new. Um, it's just, you, you have to list it like the, like the bucks. If there's an injury, like if guys banged up, they have to list it. It is, it is illegal to not list it. So um, they don't really have a choice. I understand it's worrisome, but um, you know, everybody's banged up and you know, it's not even going to get any easier <laughs> by mid season. There'll probably be even more injuries. And by the end of the season, all NFL players talk about that. Nobody's healthy. But by the end of the season, nobody, everybody's if, hurt. They say it in every sport, especially hockey. But I mean, it's true in football. If you aren't hurt by the end of the year, you just haven't been playing. Yeah. Like, I mean, a lot of people say like the Stanley Cup is one of the hardest trophies to win. 
And it's because of the physical toll that hockey takes on you and just how much hockey you have to play. And like guys, like you see it every year in the playoffs in the Stanley cup playoffs, you know, with, with the Stanley cup final guys are playing with, you know, for, uh, you know, sprained fractured, fractured and, yeah, ribs. I mean, yeah. I mean, they're just they're just trying to make it game by game. They're, they're, they're duct just, taping these guys together. Yeah, I mean, they are just you know, and somehow they're they're playing well, and it's incredible. But that's the same way in the NFL, not to that extreme, I I don't think. But I mean, yeah, by that Super Bowl, man, yeah, those two teams are not healthy. You're you're hurting. So I mean, it's it sucks, but it's a part of the game. And, and right now, it's all about hoping that there's no major injuries. It looks like, luckily, while they're going to be without Godwin and likely without Smith, they've avoided major injuries to this point in the season. I know it's only week two, but like they've, you know, Chris Godwin's injury could have been more serious. Donovan Smith's injury could have been more serious. They've avoided those thus far. Uh, I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers just lost the defensive player of the year for six, seven weeks with a partially torn pick. I, I mean, and there's almost a lot of, almost almost a season. There was Justin Herbert on Thursday night yeah. football, yeah. you know, basically fractured some ribs. So I don't know if he's going to miss some time, but he is considered week to week, day to day. And that's never what you want for your starting quarterback. So, yeah, it is the process of football, but it is a long season. So we also have that to look forward to as far as some injury designations for New Orleans. Pretty much everyone's going to play. The only guy they have ruled out is cornerback Paulson Adebo, number 29. He will not play. I don't know how, uh, you know, I don't know how impactful his presence was going to be yeah, in this game. He, um, yeah, he, he's a starter for them. Uh, he's a good player. Um, they, they missed him on, on Sunday versus the Falcons, so they're going to be missing him again. Uh, he's one of their top three corners, so uh, th- that'll definitely impact it. Uh, now, I think not sure if he's the next player on your list. Uh, who is who is the next player on the injury report? Well, uh, honestly, he's the only one that's been designated as out. The Saints have a bunch of yeah, guys. Yeah, I know, but, but who, yeah, who's the next guy on the on the report? Alvin Kamara. Yeah, uh, the thing about Alvin Kamara, Kamara has not practiced on Thursday or Friday. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he practiced Thursday or Friday. No, he did um, not. He practiced me, on Wednesday, didn't practice on Thursday and Friday. To me, that could be an instance where questionable could mean, yeah, he might not play. Like, I, you know, it's a rib injury, I believe. Um, and it's yeah, ribs are no joke. Obviously, Justin Herbert could tell you that. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I think Camaro will go, but it's certainly something to keep an eye on because he went from participating in practice to not participating for two straight days. So uh, that'll be something to keep an eye on. And aside from Adebo, who was already downgraded out, he's the only saint on the injury report who did not practice uh, today. So it'll definitely be something to keep an eye on as we get closer to Sunday's game. Now let's talk about the defense for Tampa Bay first, before we talk about the offensive side of the ball for Tampa Bay. I mean, realistically, you look at their performance week one against Dallas, and, and I don't think you could have asked much more. Maybe a couple more takeaways, had a couple of interceptions that may have got away from them, maybe get after the quarterback a little bit more. But realistically, it was the most put together we have seen this defense in a while, and that includes the end of last year, realistically. Like, I, I mean it when I say that. I don't want to overreact because it is week one, but how can they stay consistent this week? And and I highlighted Devin White in the title of today's show, too, in particular, because he had a stellar start to the season and guys like Devin White, guys like Leonard Fournette, it seems like whenever they play in New Orleans, they have a little bit more of a heightened sense of, of yeah. wanting to get after it. Oh, I, I mean, how can they stay consistent this week? 
Yeah, uh, I think that that's the key. Uh, consistency for me is key with the pass rush. To, I, I felt like the pass rush was good uh, on Sunday night against the Cowboys, but I felt like it was a little bit inconsistent specifically to start the game. I felt like they started a little bit slow, like a little bit more of a, a fast start. Because I think you know the team that pressures the quarterback the best in this game is going to be the team that ends up victorious. I think if you know the Saints can pressure Brady, I mean they've had success doing it. I, I think they have a good chance to win because the more you can pressure, the more possible turnovers are created. Uh, if the Bucks can pressure Jameis, that's you know that helps their chances of, of Jameis possibly making a mistake or you know fumbling the ball or just sacking him and putting your 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 special teams and your offense in good position positions you know field position wise so i i think the pass rush is a real big key for this defense this week i think it has to really play well and they haven't played well against the saints really um there hasn't been many units that have played well against the saints over the years for the bucks but if i had to pick you know two of them i would say the the trench play on both sides of the ball i i think those are the big reasons why this team hasn't beaten the saints in the regular season since 2018. They just, they seem to get dominated in the trenches uh, against this team. And I think it needs to change on Sunday. If they want to have success, Uh, the secondary is going to be tested a bit more. We, we gave them kudos, you know, for what they did versus Dallas, but we also acknowledged that Dallas was missing some pieces. You know, Dallas was missing Michael Gallup and uh, they, their left guard, their starting left guard went out during the game. Their starting left tackle was gone before the game. You know, they were missing some pieces. Um, and James Washington as well, their other receiver. So they were missing some pieces. It was good what the Bucks did. and It was impressive. But this New Orleans Saints offense seems to be pretty healthy, and they, they seem to be running on full steam. I know it was the Falcons, but they look good. You know, Michael Thomas looked good. Uh, he looks finally healthy. Chris Olave, I liked him coming out of college. Jarvis Landry really surprised me. He looked he looked really good. He kind of turned back the clock a little bit. So it's going to be a, more of a challenge. I think they're up for it, but I, I do think it's going to be more of a challenge than it was in Dallas last week. The Saints have beat Tampa Bay in a number of ways over the years, so it's funny to talk about their offensive approach in this one. But again, looking back at Tampa Bay's performance week one against the Cowboys, they kind of took away that big play factor. You know, I I don't remember too many shots Dak Prescott had downfield, and we could say the same about Jameis Winston because we know he is the arm strength, but one, I guess it's going to depend on what Dennis Allen draws up for him on the offensive side of the ball and, and what it allows him to do. Two, Alvin Kamara is a big part of this, but the Saints are the type of team where when they play Tampa Bay, they don't have to beat you with those big plays. So we can talk about the secondary being tested here depending on the situation and how things play out. But I'm looking at, you know, the Saints is one of those teams where they can take seven to eight to nine minutes off of the clock on a drive and then just slowly but surely burn you down the field, you know, and really kind of kind of take the will out of this defense. What do you think that their major approach is this week? I know that might be an odd question, but like Jameis, are, are they going to let him air it out against the Bucks this week? Uh, I think you could see that a little bit. You saw it a little bit last week, I think. Um, you know, I, I still feel they were kind of coddling him last year, uh, obviously before the injury, but uh, obviously he has it in him. Uh, we, we know he has it in him, and I think it's in the Saints' best interest to kind of let the leash a little bit longer, you know, to just let it a little bit, hold it a little less tight uh, with Jameis, because I think it would help out their offense. But in terms of this game, uh, yeah, I do think you can see, I don't think you're going to see downfield shot after downfield shot. Because like you said, 
I don't even think this, like the Saints schematically aren't even that type of offense. Like they're not a Bruce Arians, you know, you know take chances right. uh, offense and, like that. And we look back at last year before Jameis Winston got injured is we accredit that to all of his success that he had 14 touchdowns, three interceptions because their offense is at least at the quarterback position could be considered plug and play. I, I mean, it's a lot of check downs. It's a lot of short passes and it's a lot of blocking, opening up lanes for receivers, things like that. Right, right. And I, I think he was like five of eight in that game versus the Bucks with 56 yards and a touchdown before he left. Uh, so he wasn't pushing the ball downfield a ton. And I don't expect them to push the ball downfield a ton, but they can do it now. I think last year they kind of couldn't do it. This year they have the guys. Michael Thomas is back. Chris Olave is there. Like to me, a lot of it has to do with personnel. The Cowboys personnel last week didn't really allow them to go downfield. C.D. Lamb was their only guy, really. Dalton Schultz isn't going to be 25 yards down the field. But now that they have Michael Thomas and Chris Olave, they have Jarvis Landry kind of doing that underneath stuff. I think now they could. Um, will they? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. They haven't opened up the playbook completely for Jameis yet, but maybe this is the week. Uh, and if they do the secondary, yeah, it, it's going to be tested. But you're right about the Saints being the type of team. And a lot of it has to do with, like you said, the quarterback, uh, Drew Brees, all them years. Drew Brees never had the best arm. But he was always efficient. He rarely turned the ball over because he found the open man. And a lot of times, that's why, you know, a lot of people wanted the Bucs to play zone, uh, not zone. They didn't want the Bucs to play zone. They wanted them to play man against the Saints because the Saints really didn't do a, a ton down the field. So um, I still think the key is pressure no matter what the, the Saints offensive game plan is. Uh, but uh, I, I do think you could see a few more deep shots. That's just because of the personnel, though. I think the Bucks could. Uh, I think they could get behind if they blitz too much this week. I, I know we've yeah, said before yeah. that Todd Bowles likes to live and die by the blitz. And to to his credit, I he didn't blitz as much as I thought he was going to last week. He he blitzed, but it wasn't like a ridiculous number of times, which I I think I think needs to be the same formula. You know, I think you need to have Winston beat you by making good reads not by finding the open man because your blitz can't get home. You know, right. Not by finding the wide open Chris Olave 15 yards down the field because there's a blitz that, oh, is a second too late, you know. That's why I brought up Devin White a little bit earlier, too. His pass coverage improved last week, and, and that's, again, how does he stay consistent this week? I mean, he has matched up against Jameis Winston in practice back in 2019, his rookie season. He's played him since then. Didn't get the longest game against him last year, but... He also ended his season. So, you know, it's one of those things where I'm looking at matchups all over the uh, all over the field for this one. Another matchup that I'm excited about is between Mike Thomas and Carlton Davis. This one feels like it's been a long time coming. Mike Thomas was not available in that 2020 no. playoff game or he was. Well, no, no, he he was. That that was the game. Yeah, that was the game he got have, hurt. He didn't have well, he didn't have a catch yet. Oh, yeah, that too. I just remember the stiff arm on the interception. Two touchdowns last week for Mike Thomas. I hate to give this guy credit because, you know, he is he is slant boy. He always will be slant boy. But between yeah, him and Jarvis Landry slants last week. Uh, yeah, I mean, between him and Jarvis Landry showing up big last week, just like you said, it'll be curious to see if uh, Carlton Davis can can back up a lot of the trash talk he's laid down. Yeah. And to me, again, it's important for not just Carlton Davis. Uh, I'm not as worried about Carlton Davis. Carlton Davis matches up pretty well with Michael Thomas. Now, I'm not saying 
that Carlton Davis is going to, oh, man, yeah, he's going to hold him to zero catches. No. Michael Thomas is a good player. If he's 100% healthy, he'll get his. Um, but, I, like, I don't think, like, Michael Thomas is going to go off. It's going to be determined by Jamel Dean had a great week last week. How does he play this week? You know, that that's a big thing. Antoine Winfield in the nickel. Had a good week last week. Had the interception. How does he play this week? I think those two guys are going to go a long way in determining how this game goes for the Bucks defense more than Carlton Davis versus Michael Thomas. I think you have to kind of cross out those two. I think it's it's Jamel Dean versus Chris Olave and Antoine Winfield versus Jarvis Landry. Those are the two. If the Bucks can win those two matchups, I, I think – and the pass rush can get home a few times. I think the Bucks defense can find a lot of success. If they don't, it could be a pretty long day. If, if Jamel Dean just gets picked on all night and the Bucks pass rush can't get home. But if those two matchups can work out in the Bucks' favor, I think the Bucks could have a lot of success. The Saints don't have Sean Payton around anymore, so it may not be as efficient, but we do know that whenever these two teams play, you also get a healthy dose of Taysom Hill. And I have expressed before on the show how much I hate that guy. I cannot stand him because every time you see his happy ass trot onto the field, it means they're probably going to go ahead and convert first down. Even if it's second and 26, the Bucks will find a way to them, give it up to him. He gave them the spark last week. They were dead in the yeah. water before Taysomville came in that game. So, yeah, I'm sure you'll see a little bit of him. I mean, he came into Tampa last year and, and beat him as the starting quarterback. So, um, I'm sure you'll see a little bit of Taysom Hill in this game. Uh, when when the Saints need a spark, I'm sure. Uh, that seemed to be when. And it's crazy how every time the Saints need a spark from him, no matter who they're playing, they always get it from him. They, 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 That's why you know, I can't stand his ass, you, man. Because always, it, it's always, always get it from him. It's a guarantee. You see him come into the game, and everything just changes. It just it the momentum shift that they need is exactly what they get every time he's out there. But uh, you got to stay prepared for that. And honestly, more than anything else, you got to stay disciplined. You got to cut back on penalties because some of them are going to kill you. You know what I mean? If you and, jump off sides on a crucial third down, you're you might be sol. Well, not just that. It's it's the the mental penalties, you know, the uh, unnecessary roughness, the personal foul, the after the play fact. You know what the Saints team is. Even though Chauncey Garner Johnson isn't there, he's one of the best trash talkers, you know, in the game. Um, he's not there, but you still know they're they're gonna try and bait you into that stuff. They know what the situation is. They know that they haven't lost to you in like in the regular season in four years, like they know that. And they genuinely believe that that playoff win is a, is a fluke by you. Like they genuinely believe that. And the only reason they do is because they came back the next season and beat you twice again. So they're going to try and get in your head and try and bait you into doing dumb crap. And you just, you can't do it. Um, So there's a lot of things like I'm looking, you know, the players that play with a lot of emotion on this defense, like a Devin White, um, you know, they, they can't do it. You got to stay disciplined. You got to stay smart and limit those penalties, not just on the field, but after the whistle as well. You can't allow that to dictate this game. Let's talk about the Buccaneers offense in this one. First and foremost, the potential absence of left tackle Donovan Smith. If he ends up playing, I still think a lot of this conversation applies, but I'll tell you what. I would have been a hell of a lot more nervous coming into this game without Donovan Smith if we did not have Coquifed and Kate Otten. And I know that I am probably giving these guys a little bit too much credit here, but between them and Leonard Fournette, who is very clearly a competent pass blocker when he needs to be, 
Uh, he can play the hell out of some pass protect. I, I think that that's going to give Brady a little bit more of a fighting chance to get the football out of his hands on on passing downs than opposed to if we didn't have those guys. And then, of course, Coquifed. It's kind of weird because there hasn't been a fullback presence on this Buccaneers offense in many, many years. I think Alan Cross was the last true uh, fullback we carried on the roster. But, I mean, Coquifed is a blocker. That cannot be denied. You go back and you look at some of the holes he was able to generate in the run game against Dallas. The dude kicks ass. And uh, I'm hoping he can do some more magic this week because I think it's going to be another run-heavy game in New Orleans for Tampa Bay. I think, yeah, you're going to see a pretty similar game plan. Uh, I think the Bucks clearly passing the ball constantly against New Orleans doesn't work. So yeah, just, you got to do you, something else. You've got former Saints players telling you on podcasts that, like, yeah, we're built to shut down the Bucks passing the ball. I mean, it's it's yeah. no secret. Yeah, like they are, you know. Uh, the issue with the Bucks offense, before I get into Coquise completely, uh, the issue with the Bucks offense is predicated a lot on not scheming guys open. It's not a Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, we're going to scheme you to get open. It's, hey, Mike Evans, win your one-on-one and get open. You know, it, it's really dependent on the, on the receivers winning their one-on-ones, not scheming them and and putting them in positions to get open it's having them run the routes but having them have to win the routes the issue with the saints is that a lot of the times the bucks just aren't winning those routes against the saints and obviously they had malcolm jenkins there for a few years to cover gronkowski malcolm jenkins is one of the best safeties possibly ever to, to be able to cover tight ends uh so that's that's a bad matchup there mike evans versus marshawn Lattimore. i mean you know, I think on the podcast last year, I said, like, I hated that whole thing. That he's, oh, yeah, you know, Mike Evans is Marshawn Lattimore's daddy. And no, he's not, because Mike Evans has one play against Marshawn Lattimore, and it's the deep ball the last time the Bucks oh, won. Oh, come on. World. He's got he's got like two or three no, more. No. It, how many wins he's got? Yeah, that's all I care about. Um, he's got zero. So clearly Marshawn Lattimore is doing something and it always seems like Marshawn Lattimore gets into Mike Evans head and it forces Mike Evans to lose his cool. I just don't think when he plays Marshawn Lattimore, you know, and maybe guys are, you know, oftentimes more vocal trash talkers than others. Maybe Lattimore is a guy who kind of does it subtly. Um, But there's something about when he plays Marshawn Lattimore, like, yeah, he can't like find success. He can't win those one-on-ones like he can um, against any other person. And that's the reason the Saints have so much success. Combine that with the offensive line, even when the Bucks had a healthy offensive line last year, both times. I, I believe both times they had a healthy offensive line with Ali Marpet and Donovan Smith and Alex Kapp and Ryan Jensen, Tristan Wirfs. The Saints still got pressure, you know. So um, combine that with the receivers not winning one on ones, that is the, exactly why the Saints' defense has so much success against this team. They can disguise well. They can do a lot of things differently that really fool the quarterback. And Brady, we know pre-snap, he wants to know where he's going to go with the ball. Well, when something appears to be one thing, but it's actually another, that's difficult for a quarterback to gauge that. So. Um, I think that's the reason why New Orleans has so much success. Now, in terms of protecting Tom Brady and having Josh Wells there, I do think you could see Coquise a few times chip. The only thing I would say, and again, I talked about on the postgame show, they're doing clear tells of Coquise right now, which I hope they get away from. And they will, I think, because you just you can't run an offense that way. Every time Coquise was on a field, it's a, he it's a run. He wasn't on the field for a single pass play. 
Um, it, it was a whether it was a successful run or not, he was not on the field for a single pass play. So that's going to have to change, I think, because you can't just have defenses knowing, oh, when he's on the field to run, you can't have defenses knowing that. So whether it's Coquise, whether it's Kate Otten, Leonard Fournette, somebody, you know, a, a few times Josh Wells is going to have to win by himself. Like you can't just have everybody chip on every single play, but every now and then you, you're, you know, one of those guys is going to have to chip in and play well. And I think Keith, maybe you do finally give him some Todd Bowles mentioned, I think today, you know, you never see him catch passes. I think he only <laughs> caught like a handful of passes at, at Minnesota when he was in college. But, um, you know, I, as far as Keith goes, maybe this week you do see him on a few pass plays chipping a little bit, uh, maybe catching a, a ball or two. But um, I think, yeah, that's what he's mostly going to be used for, and that's why they drafted him. You think Kyle Rudolph is a healthy scratch again this week? That's a tough one. Um, I, I know I the surprised. absence of Chris Godwin kind of leaves some room, maybe if they want to activate Scotty Miller, still carry six wide receivers, yeah. or bring that extra tight end. Um, but I mean... I'm not sure. I feel like people are going to get really concerned here if, if Kyle Rudolph doesn't play for two weeks in a row. I know he's not crucial. You know, we haven't really seen him become a factor in this offense because he just simply has not been on the field. <laughs> but you kind of hope that signing a big name guy like that. I know he's on the tail end of his uh, tail end of his career as yeah. well. But I think people would like to see him get involved at some point. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, though, to me, you know, even when they signed him, I was like, OK, like he's decent depth, but like. If you're expecting the the Kyle Rudolph from 2017, you're going to be disappointed. And you know he's not the same player. But at the same time, I know I noted Cameron Brait didn't really impress me. Um, so you know I I I think there is a chance that maybe Kyle Rudolph can get a look. I don't know. I think if a lot of the wide receivers' health wasn't in question, I think they'd be more likely to maybe. Uh, put in Kyle Rudolph over a guy like Scotty Miller. But since the receivers are coming into this a little banged up, what happens if two or three go down, then you're stuck with nobody. So I think they might want to have that extra receiver out there. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. I was surprised last week that he was inactive. And uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Leonard Fournette coming into this one, the uh, the fifth leading rusher in the NFL right now, I think with 126 yards or somewhere right around there. Could be another week for playoff Lenny. Could be the run game getting shut down here, which would obviously be worst case scenario because it makes the de- or the offense one dimensional. You got to pass the ball, and we know that when the Bucks have to pass the ball against New Orleans, usually doesn't work out. But do you think Lenny could pull off another hundred plus yard game this week if the blockers hold up and and they can do well? Because New Orleans defending the run against you know Marcus Mariota and Corderell, uh, yeah, Corderell Patterson in Week One. It really didn't go well for them. They gave up damn near 200 yards on the ground, and their run defense was pretty stout last year as well. Yeah, they gave up a total of 201 yards uh, rushing and and two touchdowns. So, obviously, <laughs> they had, what, 12 carries for 72 yards and a touchdown from Marcus Mariota. Yeah, Tom you're, Brady. Not gonna get, you're not going to get that from your quarterback. Tampa maybe maybe Bay, you will. Maybe he'll make uh, history. No. <laughs> Maybe he'll have the most insane game of all time. Yeah, he might need it to beat this team. Uh, But, I mean, yeah, Cordero Patterson, 22 carries, 120 yards, and a touchdown. Like, he had a lot of success against the Saints team. I will say I kind of think it's more of a fluke than anything. I think it was just an off day. Um, But the Bucs can prove that it wasn't a fluke. The Bucs can prove that uh, the Saints' defense – 
is actually bad against the run. And that week one for them was not just a fluke, a flash in the pan. Uh, we know they want to run the ball more. They ran it with a lot of success. And I think that Fournette, I don't know if he's going to have as good of a day as he did last week, but I still think he can be productive. Uh, I don't think a hundred and I think it was 27 yards. I don't think 127 yards is in his future this week, but you know, I could see him getting, getting close to a hundred yards, maybe getting in the end zone. And I, I think the bucks need that. They need to establish a, a balanced offense to beat this team. You look at when they beat them in the divisional round and Brady didn't throw the ball 45 times in that game. You know, Leonard Fournette, they also like Leonard Fournette didn't run wild, but like they got the job done. Defense also had three turnovers. Well, we'll get into that. Um, But, you know, they didn't, the offense didn't turn the ball over. They were able to protect Brady. That's a big reason why they won that game. Um, and I think a lot of people talk about the defense when they discuss uh, that Saints game, that Saints divisional game. But I don't think as many people talk about the offensive game plan that the Bucks had for that game. And to me, that was kind of the, the game plan that I think they're going to try and implement this Sunday to where try and take care of the football move the chains, right? Keep them chains constantly moving, keep the Saints offense off the field, because like you said, Saints offense, especially with Brady on the other sideline, they're going to want to eat up time. They're going to want to eat up five, six, seven minutes and score each time they get the ball. So keep that Saints offense off the field, wear out the Saints defense, and maybe you can get a few shot plays down the field. So I think that could be the game plan that they go into this with. Uh, Am I a fan of that every week? No, I I am not. I am not a fan of a balanced offense every week because of the way this offense is built, the personnel they have uh, with Brady. And it's it's a pass-first offense. And and there's going to be some opponents on the schedule this year that are going to make it a pass-heavy game. There will be some times, like I said it, you know, I believe I said it with Sean King, I said on the post game, like there's going to be games where Tom Brady has to throw 40, 45 times. And he's going to have to throw three or four touchdowns. Um, but I don't think this week is one of those weeks. Uh, last week wasn't one of those weeks. And I think this week could be very similar to that. Hopefully, you know, the Bucks only had the one turnover last week. It was an unfortunate one. Hopefully they could avoid that this week. Uh, but I think if they can avoid that this week and they can run the ball efficiently, move the chains on third down, I think they can have some success against the Saints team. Mike Evans, Julio Jones, Russell, oh, and, Gage. And, and and the red zone. Uh, if you get down the red zone, you gotta convert that and gotta score. Touch gotta get six you points. You, you don't. You don't need. You know. You go to the red zone four times. You don't need four touchdowns, but at least go two for four. At least go fifty percent. Don't. You can't go. You know what you were doing in the red zone in Dallas. That needs to be better. My segue was kick ass, and you interrupted me. The well, Tampa Bay. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver room, our buddy TB12 Goatman asks, in the absence of Chris Godwin, who kind of fills that role this week? Who do you think is going to be playing out of the slot the most? I, I have a feeling it's going to be a guy like Russell Gage, but can Julio also fit in there if needed? I think they're going to do kind of like a committee. I think you're going to see a lot of Gage and a lot of Julio. They like to put Mike Evans in there a, a few times, so maybe you'll see that as a different look. Uh, maybe get Mike Evans. I don't know if Lattimore's going to, 
follow Evans everywhere he goes. I don't know if Lattimore's just going to stick to the outside, but if Lattimore's not going to stick to the outside, that's a way to maybe get Evans on somebody else so he can win a one-on-one. So um, I, I do think most of the time it'll be Russell Gage, but I don't think it's going to be like, oh, this is definitely, you know, oh, Gage is catching the screens. You know, Julio Jones was catching some screen passes last week. He was doing some end arounds. That's normally what Chris Godwin would do in this offense. You wouldn't really see Mike Evans doing that much. You would see Chris Godwin doing that a lot. So maybe it is a guy like Julio Jones, but I think they want to get Gage more involved. He only had the two catches. The hamstring injury has hurt him a little bit, but uh, I do think they want to get Gage involved. So if I had to guess, I would say Gage is going to see a lot of action in that slot this week. Are there any matchups with players on the Buccaneers offense that you're going to be taking a close look at this week? I know it's kind of a cop out, but Mike Evans, Marshawn Lattimore is always one of those when you play New Orleans. Is there anything else you're going to be kind of zooming in on every snap? Well, obviously, you know, on the Saints side of things, Demario Davis is one of the best linebackers in the league, and he's really caused problems for the Bucs. So uh, I'm curious to see how they attack him in coverage because they really haven't been able to do it. Uh, obviously, their tight end room, I think, got a lot worse. I think we're seeing that now. Uh, I, th- I think we are, we are definitely seeing that. So, um, you know, the loss of Gronkowski, I think, is evident. And I think in the red zone, it's evident. But I think how they attack a guy like Demario Davis, who is a real, real causes many problems for this offense. I, I think will be interesting to see because um, I think it's going to be a different game plan on Sunday. Before we get to the weekly checklist, I wanted to ask one more question about the offensive side of the ball for Tampa Bay. Play calling was something that I don't think we talked a whole lot about, but we got to give Byron some credit because the balanced approach and the way it helped the Bucs win the game in week one is uh, something that a lot of people can look at is him mixing it up a little bit. But there were a couple of other plays that really stuck out and and something that you don't see a whole lot from this Bucs offense. You see it every now and again, but the jet sweeps with Julio Jones, you know, a couple of rushing attempts with a wide receiver every now and again. Do you think creativity is going to help the Buccaneers move the ball a lot this week as well because a team like the Saints, it obviously feels like they always have you figured out. So maybe Byron's got to do a little bit of extra work in the lab this week to to really get these guys. And, uh, you know, if you can script a great first two drives and put the Bucks up 14 nothing, that'd be ideal. But I think it's going to take a lot to uh, to, you know, really get this offense humming early if that's how they want to approach it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I think... I wasn't a huge fan of the of the offensive game plan last week. You know, it worked, but I can also acknowledge that I wasn't a huge fan of it. Like just because something works doesn't mean you have to be you have to love it. Uh, I didn't love it because to me it didn't play for this offensive strengths. And it was boring football, but it got my, the job done. But it also didn't play to this offensive strengths. You know why are we? Well, you know why are they paying Russell Gage to ten million dollars to barely do anything? Um, because your third wire is here supposed to be important in a pass first offense, but that is fair. You, Willie Beeman, you, our uh, moderator, holding it down, said ten million year, ten million a year is a lot of money. He needs to go ahead and get involved here. Yeah, well, well, when when you want to, I guess, run the ball all the time, you, you might as well not pay him ten million dollars, and you can play like the Tennessee Titans and lose in the first round. Um, but you know, I, like I said. I think the game plan does need to be very similar last to last week. I, I do. Um, I, I don't think you can come in expecting to throw the ball 45 times because clearly against this team, it has not worked. 
Like it just hasn't worked. So uh, he needs to come up with something different because the last time these two teams played, I know the Bucks didn't have Antonio Brown that game. Chris Godwin got injured midway through. Leonard Fournette got injured. Mike Evans got injured. Look, I think after watching that game, just the vibe of that game, that Sunday night football game, it didn't matter who, who was on the field. They were scoring zero points that game. Like they, they were just, they, they didn't have it. Um, they, they weren't scoring a point in that game, no matter who was on the field. Uh, so I, I'm curious to see how Byron attacks them. Um, but I also think that you have to be, you have to be smart, but you, you have to come up with something different because the funny thing is they found some success on Halloween last year. They did find some success through the air. Oh, yeah. I just, it's just not sustainable to me against the Saints team. It's just, it's not, do you take too many chances? They found success, but Brady still threw two picks, including a pick six. Like, you know, to me, you can't even have that in this game, even if Brady's throwing for 300 yards and three touchdowns. The two picks could be what dooms you. So I, I think they do have to change up the game plan. I would like to see them open up the playbook a bit more this week than they did last week just felt especially in the red zone it felt too way too conservative in the red zone i mean running the ball three straight times this isn't 1990 like you know running the ball three straight times on your 10 yard line yet you're gonna kick the field goal like you are that's that's what it's that's what's gonna happen so um i do think they need to be more creative specifically in the red zone uh and and if they're not you know they could have trouble winning this game because the saints offense isn't you know explosive or spectacular. I wouldn't say that, but when you get down in the red zone, you need to turn that into six, not three. Like that is so important for this type of game. Let's wrap things up as we always do on the game preview with the weekly checklist. Basically we are going to give you three or more things. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have to do if they want to come out of new Orleans victorious. I will give a couple first and then Evan, I will toss it over to you. I've only got two because I know you usually have three. And my two are this. The first one, I feel like you gotta you gotta produce turnovers on the defensive side of the ball. The last time we saw the Buccaneers beat New Orleans, they won with three turnovers in the divisional round of 2020. I just this is an offense that isn't known for making a lot of mistakes, especially against Tampa Bay. If you can force a mistake, and I know it's really obvious, but if you can win the turnover battle. It gives you a really, really good chance at winning this game. I, I think the defense is going to have to stay consistent. And I think at times they're going to have to carry this game. You know, getting off of the field on third down, not giving up a second and 17 to, you know, a guy running a wide receiver screen. Like, just prevent things like that. And uh, maybe you come away with an interception. Maybe you get a strip sack every now and again. But stuff like that is going to go a long way because this is going to be a close game. I, I think it's going to be a pretty tight game. Until it isn't, you know, if the Saints decide to run away with it in the third quarter this year, then then so be it. But I would like to see a tight, disciplined game. The second thing that I have is uh, it almost goes without saying, but like, don't don't check out. Y you brought up the vibe of that game last year where they lost nine to nothing. I would say once guys started getting hurt, it's hard to not feel that way. But like. Like you said, the feeling of that game, even from the guys on the sideline, was pure frustration, and, and they weren't getting any points. They got in their heads. They allowed New Orleans to get in their heads. They got frustrated. They started making mental mistakes, and it lost them the football game. you got to do everything you can to just stay clean this week, stay focused, and believe that you're going to beat this football team because I think they can do it. 
I just don't know if it happens this week. But what else have you got? Well, right now, I don't think they do believe. Right now, I think there's doubt in there. Uh, I, I really do believe that right now there's some doubt in their minds of can they beat this team? And I think success is really the only way to conquer that. So uh, number one, obviously win the trenches. That's, that's huge uh, on both sides of the ball. I could have had that as one and two, but whatever um, you got to protect Brady. I think that that is paramount. You, you have to, uh, if you don't protect him, you know, your offense isn't going to have any success. If Brady's constantly under duress, I don't care if you're trying to run the ball more or not, you have to pass it sometimes. And if Brady can't be protected when you do, you're not going to have any shot of success. The, the the one highlight that you like to bring up with Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore was that long touchdown on Halloween last year. When you go back and you watch that play and uh, usually you can see it on the intro of our podcast. If you're watching over on YouTube, the pass protection on that play. I mean, he had over four seconds to make his reads and throw that football. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to have that kind of time this no, Sunday. That was with Ali Marpet and Donovan Smith and Ryan Jensen. Yeah, I mean, that's it's a different offensive line. You know, it is a different group. And uh, yeah, there's a chance that from the last time they played this this team, the Saints team, the Bucks will go in Sunday having four different offensive linemen. The only you know consistent player would be Tristan Wirfs, uh, and, and that's that's not good. That's just that's just simply definitely, not good. Definitely not ideal. Um, but then all, you know on the defensive side of the ball, yeah, you have to pressure. You have to pressure Jameis. Um, he can't just sit back there and and, and you know dissect the, the the defense because if he's given time. You know, maybe he makes a bad decision or two, but so far in New Orleans, he's shown that he will take what the defense gives him. And a lot of that, we like we talked about, is that Saints offense not taking a ton of chances. That's kind of what the Saints offense is. But so far, Winston has excelled in it. So if you give him the seven-yard pass where the receiver's going to catch the ball, okay, on, on first and 10, he's going to catch it seven yards, go down, it's a, it's a gain of eight yards. All of a sudden, second and two, the Saints run the ball, they convert. You know, they convert the easy first down. You know, I think you need to make him somehow hold on to the football and and pressure him, but pressure him without having to constantly blitz. Like that's important too. Because like we said, it doesn't matter how much you blitz. If your blitz doesn't get home and you give up a 11 yard gain on a third and 10, nobody cares that you blitz if you give up the first down. Um, so I think that's important. That That's very important for them to get home with four. We've talked about that a lot, not just in this game, but over, you know, the course of that last season, the season before the season before that it's important, uh, especially in Todd Bowles defense who he likes to blitz. He really does. But I, I feel like if the Bucks don't have success rushing for early, he's going to resort to, oh, I have to blitz. Oh, I have to blitz more, more, and more, and more. That's only going to burn him. So uh, I, I think you need to get pressure, but you also need to, to be mindful with that pressure. Uh, the other thing I'll say, uh, I'm number two is win the turnover battle, uh, which you know goes without saying, if you win the trench battle, you might win the turnover battle because – you know, turnovers can be caused by just plays being blown up, kind of, you know, and uh, I, I think that's important. That's the Saints have won a turnover battle every single time, every single time. The only time they didn't was the divisional round game. That was the only time that they did not win the turnover battle. And look what happened. So whoever wins the turnover battle and protects the QB's best is going to win this game. Like, like I will be shocked 
if we go back Sunday night, we're doing the post game show, and you know the Saints have four sacks on Brady, the Bucks have one on Winston, the Bucks have you know the Saints have three picks, the Bucks have none, and the Bucks won the game. Like that's not going to happen. Like whoever wins the turnover battle and protects their quarterback the best is going to win this game. The last one, and it's it's kind of a more of a keep an eye on type thing. I don't know why the Cowboys didn't because the score never really, while it was 19 to three, the score never really got too far out of hand where you needed to keep passing the ball. But Zeke Elliott ran the ball pretty well against the Bucks on Sunday night. It was, he was 10 carries for 52 yards. I was a 5.2 average. Um, that's not great. <laughs> 5.2 yards for carry is terrible. Uh, so I'm not overly concerned with the Bucks' run defense right now, but we talked about the losses of Jordan Whitehead and Adamica Sue to this defense uh, and even a guy like Jason Pierre-Paul, what that would do to the defense. And I tried to mention it a few times, but I think it was being overlooked that maybe the run defense wouldn't be the same. I think the Saints are going to try to run the ball. They don't want to throw the ball 40 times. Um, I think they're going to look to run the ball, and I hope the Bucks are up to the task. I hope last week was just uh, the case of the Bucks game planning for the pass and – Dallas got a few decent carries. I hope the run defense, you know, I hope Kamara doesn't go out there if he plays and can consistently control this game. Because if they can, the Bucks are in trouble. I, I know we talked about the potential loss of Alvin Kamara for New Orleans, and that would be huge, especially in that short pass game, which is where they can tear you up. But Mark Ingram is also no stranger to uh, to really beating up on this Buccaneers yeah. defense. So he's another guy you got to look out the for. The entire roster, <laughs> the entire Saints roster are no strangers to beating up on this Buccaneers team. It's, it, it, is, it is remarkable. Like I talked about the mentality thing earlier. The Bucs just, the Saints go into the football game believing, yeah, we'll win. I wonder how we'll win. The Bucs go into that game saying, Hmm, I wonder how we're going to lose. And they have, they used to have that right early on. When we first started the show. They used to have, but it used to be for every game. Now it's pretty much like, I would say even like the Rams, like they, they just get beat by the Rams. The thing about the saints is they lose the saints in every way possible. Like they lose the defense needs a stop at the end of the game on Halloween. They don't get it. Then the offense can't convert. Okay. The defense only lost nine points in Tampa. The offense can't score a thing. It's just, it, you know, and then Sunday night, the year before in Tampa, 38 to three, the offense or defense can't stop a thing. It's just, they always seem to find a different way to lose against the saints team. And I think that has instilled a confidence in the saints that is so ginormous that the Bucks may be the more talented team, but it doesn't matter. Like it just it doesn't matter because the talent gap isn't wide enough that the Saints are like, oh yeah, we are completely outmatched. Like, no, like they fully believe they are the better team and they're gonna go out there and win the game. And I think the Bucks just they're a confident group, but I think when they play the Saints, there is a little bit of doubt that creeps into their heads. One more thing I want to add to the checklist before we wrap up, maybe drop some score predictions as well. Uh, you got to make the most of your trips to the red zone. The, the Buccaneers struggled getting touchdowns last week. We only $2 saw our super chat from James. Thank you, James. Thank you so much, Mr. Bucks Nation, creeping his way onto this week's episode. Little we late, almost made it. We late. almost made it an entire episode without having to mention the guy. And there he is coming I in know. clutch from the free throw line at the end of the show with the $2 super chat. Thank you, pal. But would like to see the Buccaneers getting... You know, get in the end zone this week. Um, that, that was a Be big nice. problem in the first half last week was, yeah, they were able to run the ball. They were able to move the ball effectively. 
but you got to make the most of your trips to the red zone, especially against New Orleans, especially mm. playing in the Superdome, because not only are you not always going to get to the red zone, but you're not going to beat the Saints on field goals. No, no, you're not. And uh, yeah, if you're if you're up nine to three or whatever, it's not going to stay that way. Like you, you can't count on a defense not allowing a single touchdown again. Uh, yeah, you need to convert your your trips to the red zone. Like I even said, you make four trips get go two for four, like, you know, go two for four on touchdowns. Like that's, you know, and then you make your, both your field goals, that's 20 points. Like, uh, okay. And then figure out how you're going to get some, some more points, but like, yeah, you can't, you gotta be able to, to score six when you get in the red zone, especially against this defense, which I think is still a pretty stout group. I don't know if we have to give final score predictions here. Well, we, we do every week. Yeah, we can just for fun. Um, but I don't think either of us have the Bucs winning this game. And it's unfortunate because I can't remember the last time we both picked the Bucs to lose other than when they were playing the Saints. But I think we both share the same sentiment here. And it's one of those things where we'll believe it when we see it. Could this be the week that they finally get the monkey off of their back and they beat New Orleans in the regular season? For Tom Brady's sake, I hope so. Because I'm sure he is sick and tired of losing to this goddamn team. But... I just don't know if this week is the week. I, I do think that they get the job done at home later in the year, but this is a tough first four weeks of the season. And even if they come out of this three and one, the one team that I have them losing to is New Orleans. So I, I don't think they get the job done. What's the score? You got a score? Uh, 21-14. I'll just say okay. three straight touchdowns. Okay. Um. Yeah, I... Yeah, until and I'm even I even go more extreme than you um, until I see it. It's not happening. Uh, yeah. And until I see the Bucks beat the Saints in the regular season. Trust me, if they beat this football team on Sunday, we will get on the postgame show. and We will sing their praises like we will like we're not going to say, oh, they finally did it. You know, good for them. No, like we will be, you know, we will sing their praises and be like, yeah, they finally did it. But I just don't think that's going to happen. Like, because what evidence do I have that it's going to happen? I have none. Like, I, I have zero evidence that this team can beat the Saints. They went in. I keep bringing this up. And every time somebody questions me of why I have the Saints winning, the Saints have came into your building with a chance for you to clinch the division for the first time since 2007. They came in there and beat you nine to nothing with Taysom Hill at quarterback. Uh, you got shut out. Like ever since then, like how am I supposed to believe that you're going to win a football game against the New Orleans Saints? Until you do, I'm not going to believe it. So yeah, the division win is nice. The divisional win, um, you know, and that's something that you can always have over the Saints. But in the regular season, this team's got your number, and that's not going to change. So uh, I and I had the Bucks in the season predictions. I had the Bucks losing this game, and I had the Bucks losing even later in the year to them. Um, if they win this game on Sunday, maybe my prediction a few weeks down the road will change. Who knows? But right now, uh, yeah, I think the Saints win. Uh, 26 to 21. I, I do think it's a close game. It's not a blowout or anything, uh, but I think the Saints, especially the losses of Godwin, the potential loss of Smith, it's the Saints' first home game, home opener. That crowd's going to be rocking. It's a tough game to win. Even if the Bucs weren't full strength, it's a tough game to win. Even if they didn't have problems playing the Saints, I still think this is a tough game to win with the losses they have and that opening thing. How, how about you, Dr. Evil? Let the record show that if the Bucks win this week, 
I will be the most insufferable person on this platform about it. I am going to talk the most trash I have ever talked about the Saints. It's going to be a thing of beauty. I hope they go and get the job done. We will see what happens. Both of us having them drop this one, but uh, it'll be fun. I, I mean, it's always fun. It's always a fun buildup to the game when they play the Saints. Sometimes it's not always fun uh, when they play them. I, I think this year, actually, I, I'm liking the vibes better. Like, I, I keep thinking to myself, I'm like, watch, this is going to be the game they win right. because not many people think they're like, ah, yeah, they'll lose. Like, I feel like so many people, like, you know, Pewter Report, I think, uh, of their staff, Scott Reynolds had them losing. Our buddy Matt Matera had them losing. A few others had them losing. And, yeah, like, I feel like a lot of people are just like, yeah, at this point, like, yeah, they're going to lose. Like, and I feel like of all the games that they're going to win, there will probably be this one that because everybody thinks they'll lose. Because it always seems like whenever they think the Bucks will win against the Saints, the Bucks get embarrassed. But whenever they think, oh, the Bucks will lose, this will this will be the one that they'll win. I uh, I waited till the end of the podcast, and to be honest, I wasn't going to tell anyone this, but I made a bet at work this week. You're just trying to get a quick cash grab, that's and uh, I actually bet against the Bucks. And and to be honest with you, I really don't bet sports that often. Every now and again, I'll do some prop bet fun with some friends, but I bet against Tom Brady and Tampa Bay this week. I bet my boss and my other coworker each ten dollars that the Buccaneers will lose this weekend. So if they win, it'll be the happiest bet I have ever paid out ever. If they lose. I'm going to okay, get okay. 20 bucks. Right. So, so so we got two bucks from James. Uh, Rhett, shave your beard if the Bucks win. Uh, <laughs> not a fantasy Ooh, football. I didn't, listen, games. if I didn't just get a haircut, I would go for it. But like I just paid, you know, $40 there for a really know. nice little little shape up here. So I'm working with this for now. Um, and Mikey with the five hour super chat said slow. So glad it's a one o'clock game when the whole world won't be watching. And we seem to do good against that one o'clock game. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, because the past well, last year, the Halloween was at 425 and then the other one was a Sunday night football game. So maybe the trick is a one o'clock game. The last, the last time they played him at one o'clock, it was it was week one, 2020. I'm pretty sure that was a 1 p.m. game with Brady's week debut. One, no, that was 425. Was yeah. it? Yeah, that was a 425 game. Uh, and then because it was national. Um, and so one, it, it, well, the, the last time they played the Saints at one o'clock, it was um, a home game in 2019. It was yeah, when they probably. wore the color rush. Yeah. And OJ they Howard lost. had that weird bobbling the circus ball f- interception. Do you remember that? Yeah. Where he literally yeah, caught was, it, ran uh, two feet, ball pops out of his hand. And I think they ended up recording it as an interception. I, I was I was there. I was at that game. Yeah, I think that that's the last 1 p.m. game that the Bucks and Saints have played. So maybe that's the key. Even though the Bucks didn't win that game, but maybe that's the key. Hey, I I, I want to let everybody know that I really we're hope not, I lose the bet. Yeah, we're not sitting here <laughs> hoping that the Saints win. Like that, let's get that straight. Or an opinion is different from a want. Hey, a lot like, of diehard fans get really mad when you bet against your team, but I feel like a, I feel like betting against your team is something a diehard fan would do when they have simply seen enough of the just, shit and to you, where and you, you kind just of, want to reverse the jinx. You just, right? Like you know, either way, just like you texted me. Either way, you're a winner. Like, yep, it's a win win. Like you have won. If I have to pay twenty dollars for the Bucks to beat the Saints, I will I will do it every single time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I can't be upset. You're just I sitting can't... there, all right. What what's it gonna take? 
<laughs> yeah. So, so if anyone's gonna take one for the team this week, it's me. So, what what, what they're gonna do? What they're gonna do at your work? Oh, they're gonna blow. If, the, if, if if the Bucks do win, they're gonna come back to you next time they play the Saints and be like, all right, let's bet like thirty this time. Yeah. To see if you want to pay sixty bucks for the Bucks. To be the no, Saints. just because I put money on the game, knowing my luck, the Bucks are gonna blow them out by forty points. It's gonna be oh. insane. It's gonna be week one with Fitz Magic all over again. Well, that was still an eight-point game. It was, but there was a point. <laughs> yeah, I guess I kind of forget how close that it was. What, 38-31? 48-40. 40, damn. Damn. Even higher score than I remember. It was a fun one, though. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. We really enjoy bringing you this coverage. I'm glad that the season is in full swing. Week two, right around the corner. Follow the show on Facebook. Uh, Facebook, you can like us on Facebook. You can, yeah, but uh, find us on more than just Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. Both of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show and, of course, Buccaneer News as it happens. Speaking of Bucks News as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. Evan, any last words? Yeah, you can follow my written work on uh, BugsNation.com. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so every week we do, the staff does predictions, except for James. He's, I guess he's an exception. Well, no, James will type it out and then forget to send it in. He didn't even do that this time, so he didn't even do that this week. So. <laughs> So, um, they're gonna but, fire uh, his ass, dude. I know we're getting a little <laughs> candid here, but like, James, your days are numbered, pal. <laughs> I mean, I hear about all the stuff he doesn't do more than I hear about the stuff he's putting out. I'm sorry, I don't mean to shame you. <laughs> no, I'm off. If, if we could just have this, this, yeah, oh man. Um, but anyways, we we at Bucks Nation, I, I guess some of our staff makes uh predictions on the games and um. Just like not necessarily score predictions, but like, what do you think will happen during the game? So uh, my prediction for last week was Joe Tryon Schwingo get two sacks. Didn't happen uh, this week, though. I said that Devin White would also get two sacks. And uh, James chimes in with a two hour super chat. I'm just going to keep roasting James and then maybe we'll get more money. Yeah. Uh, he said, I will fist fight you, Rhett. Well, at least, you know, Rhett will still have a job after that fist fight you won't. So. <laughs> uh- <laughs> uh, Poor James, but, man. But- yeah, the good thing is I don't think he'll be fired. It's not like a huge deal if he doesn't get in, but it is very funny that he did not. Um, yeah, that, that 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 he did not. He said, yeah, he had that mishap last week, and then this week he just didn't, just didn't, do it. Uh, didn't even bother. Um, but anyways, uh, so this week I said that Devin White would get two sacks. It's in line with my Devin White's going to get double digit sacks. He got two sacks last week. Why not two sacks this week? So what I do on Bucks Nation is after the game, so we'll probably be out since it's a 1 p.m. game, we'll probably be out Sunday night. Uh, I will go through and literally analyze every one of our staff's predictions and see if it was right or wrong and see how right or wrong it was. Uh, Gil, our managing, like our, our boss basically, said that Rashad White would find the end zone twice last week obviously that was way off uh but our, our new guy billy uh just said that anton winfield would have five plus tackles a takeaway and a sack 
he was if, if Winfield had a sack, he would have had it. So he was almost dead on. So I go through and I analyze each one, each prediction, and see how right they were or how wrong they were. So I won't be doing James's this week, uh, as as obviously I didn't do last week either. But maybe next week's a new week, and, and perhaps he'll grace us with with his presence uh, on that prediction sheet. <laughs> He's just catching strays just the entire time. Just yeah. Oh, man. Shout out to everybody in the live chat for hanging out with us. Mr. Bucks Nation, Willie Beeman, the moderators holding it down. Bucks Time 12, TB12, Goatman, Emily Coppa, Mr. Smith, JR Dot, a couple of other people I may have missed. We truly appreciate your support. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the show. We will be live immediately following the game on Sunday, right around 4 o'clock, give or take, but be on the lookout for that. Subscribe to the channel, turn on notifications, and you will be notified the minute that we go live. But that'll be the next time we talk to you. I'm your host, Rhett, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. We will talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.